0: We're going to talk about some subject that might seem a little bit like, well, I didn't know people talked about that stuff in church. Well, I mean, I feel like this. If we can't talk about them, there's no power. And for to more graces to rise out of this house are going to be churches that are bold in their preaching, bold in their profession, and believing that they could actually live in all that Jesus died to give them. We talked about some things over the last weeks. We talked, look at, look at these subjects, wells, altars. We talked about fasting. We talked about wineskins. Sounds a little old school, but I'm just going to tell you this. They're not old school. Okay, they're ancient truths that still, the power in them, still we can tap into them today. My conviction is this, over this series, is that what's what sustained past generations will sustain future ones. I believe the problem with the church today is that we've been so concerned about cancel culture. Man, if you say that, people are going to leave the church. If you're going to say that, people are going to kind of turn you off. Man, if you say that, people are going to unfollow you. Hey, that's Okay. Because I would rather have the applause of heaven than I would for the applause here on earth. I'm just telling you right now. I want to lay my head at night and go, hey, um, you know, God asked me, hey, Chris, did you preach my word today? Yes, I did, God. And go to bed peacefully that night that I didn't hold anything back from this world, from the people of God, for them to be able to access and live in everything that Jesus thought to give them. Okay? I'm just going to tell you this. We're just sucking oxygen for maybe 80 years here. Okay? I'm just telling you this. Not trying to be morbid today. But eternity is for real. I would rather have people here hate me for 80 years or not like me because I'm bold in what we believe and radical in what we believe than them to see us one day in heaven and go, man, I wish that they would have been bold and honest with me when I was here on earth. I never want that issue. So I just want to encourage us today that revival, that's what we're going after, that's what is existing. That revival will always accompany these things. Pure worship, you saw that today. It's not about what we're gonna get from God. It's about what we're gonna give to God. And you know what's wild? If we go after what's in God's heart, we'll get what's in his hand. But it's pure worship. Revival always accompanies bold preaching. Look I don't I don't desire to be mean. I don't desire to be, you know, ugly, none of that stuff. But I do desire to preach boldly the things of Scripture. Okay? I don't want to hesitate or stutter the things that are concrete in, in the Bible. I don't need to be convinced of that. Because it's in those those scriptures that has brought me as a 17-year-old out of darkness. I know it's true. It's alive and active. It's, than, uh, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's bold preaching the word of God. Holy living. It's not just about worship and it's just not about proclamation. It's about our lifestyle. Actually looking like something that Jesus said, hey, if I'm holy, I want you to be holy too. Okay? The problem, like again, I'm, just go- I'm going in today. The problem why the church has lost its power it speaks the world cannot distinguish between who's in the church and who's out of the church. Man, they party like me. They sleep around like me. Man, they're hooking up like me. Man, they're, they're squandering their, their finances like me. Why would I ever follow the deity, the God, in which they so boldly profess? They're living in deception. I never want, I'm just telling you this right now, I would never want to meet somebody where they're at, okay? getting high, getting drunk, on men. I'm just ministering to them. No, 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 you're not. You're actually deceiving them, okay? I would rather do this. I would rather say, no, 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 I am going to live holy. I'm going to live boldly in my faith. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to worship God purely, but here's, here's the relationship. You have to come and meet me where I'm at, but I'm not going to meet you where you're at. I'm going this way, Okay, if you wanna come with me, you can. I wanna share the witness, the testimony on my life, but just mark my words, I'm not gonna meet you in the dark places. I'm gonna say this, I wanna draw you out of the dark places. You just kinda of see the difference? I'm just telling you right now, this area, can I just tell you, as a, I've been here for a year and a half, and I'll preach to this thing. The seeker-sensitive movement has destroyed this state. We're like this, um, we wanna reach unbelievers so much that here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna water down the power. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna say, you know what? The highway is actually wide, wide to the the path of heaven. When actually read scripture, no, it's actually narrow. Okay, Orange County, we have seven lanes. It's awesome. You hop in there by Disneyland, by Anaheim, you're flying seven lanes. But it's not like that on the road to eternity. Little holy fear today when I read the scriptures, it's actually more like a one-lane road. Road. Just want to encourage you with this, but I desire that one-lane road to be packed as all get out. See, this is the type of preaching. It's not. It's not popular anymore. But I'm telling you, it's the power. It's the power of God that will raise dead things. Seek your sensitive movement. So we're gonna pray. We're gonna play songs. We're gonna play songs that the world loves, that parties to, that gets high to, that sleeps around to. That's what we're going to do. We're going we're to sing those songs and say, hey, why don't we invite that in the church? And we're going to tickle the ears of people that are going to hell in a handbasket. Okay, I'm going in today. Going to hell in a handbasket and say, guess what? Jesus, he's big, he's awesome, but guess what? He's not big enough to pull you out of that stuff. Okay? I feel like the role of the church today, welcome guests to New Wave Church, is for us to jump into the deep waters and know no matter where you're at, If it's same-sex attraction, guess what? God can heal you. If it's transgenderism, God can heal you. Guess whatever your vice is, just fill in the blank. Because we're going after those things today, aren't we? Because it's so bold in our world right now. But I'm going to tell you, it's those things and more. Okay? But God is calling a church to be a pure bride of Jesus Christ. That means this. He's coming back for a spotless, a, a, a bride without spot or wrinkle which means this, we should be looking more beautiful the older that we get in Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you this right now. Come on, we need some spiritual Botox in here today. It's powerful, what God's doing. Holy living, how about this unapologetic devotion to God? People are looking, especially young people in the room right now, I'm just telling you this right now, God wants to see, uh, people want to see your unapologetic devotion to God. Young people in this room right now, Or if you listen to this podcast, I wanna encourage you. I see some young people here. I'm just gonna tell you this. In this season right now, they have fun trying to turn your light out. They love to do that stuff. Darkness always wants to take the light out, but I'm just telling you this. If you stay bold in this hour, young people, they're gonna come back in years to come, finding out where the light really is. And guess who they're gonna be calling on the phone? You. The greatest testimony I want to see in the youth today is, guess what? All the darkness was rising. People were sleeping around, vaping, doing all this crazy stuff, hooking up every Friday night, all this stuff going on. Guess what? I Here's my testimony. I've, I've, I was raised in the church. I love God. And guess what? My biggest testimony is I didn't get into that stuff to come out of it. But actually, as that stuff was entertaining me, then I never got involved in it. That is an awesome testimony. Don't ever think young people in this room, I don't know why, my heart's towards you right now. Don't ever think that you have to have a racy testimony to think that you have a powerful story. I'm just telling you this right now. You love God in 2024 as a young person and you're not doing all of that stuff. Can I just tell you right now, that is the greatest testimony that we could ever see in the United States of America. Come on, young people. Young people. There's gonna be youth movements that will rise out of this church. This is going to be young people right now. I can't tell you what I love about young people. They've got so much passion right now. They're so sick and tired of like, come on. It's like I see like the same old, same old, same old. It's like I'm hearing about the things of God that are so awesome in yesterday's, but I don't see them with my own eyes. I say this, be a part of what God's going on here. You're going to see things with, with your own eyes. They follow company signs, wonders, and miracles. God's still in the business of that. I love what Vance Havner says. He says this: Christianity, Sunday morning Christianity, is the greatest hindrance to revival. I believe that with all my with all my heart. But we're going to go in today, not like I haven't already. But we're going to be in a couple books of the Bible. Can we go Old Testament today? Feel a little fiery today. Can we go a little Old Testament? We're going to be in Second Chronicles today. Can you put a put a finger in Second Chronicles thirty four? If you brought your uh, your Bible, and also to First Kings chapter fifteen. First Kings. We're going to study some kings today. Is that cool? Okay, I really do feel like in this service, I feel like people are going to get set free today. I feel it. I feel like, man, there are times when I'm, when I'm sharing, I'm like, gosh, what am I going there for? I believe because God wants to meet people in deep places. God's going to do that today, amen? Yeah. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verses 1 through 7 says this. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right. He did what was right. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. It says, for it is the eighth, so for in, sorry, for in the eighth year, so he's 16 years old at this time of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek. Say seek. Seek. He began to seek the God of David, his father. And in the twentieth, sorry, twelfth year, so he's 20 years old now, young guy, young guy, 20 years old, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. Can we say high places? We're going to tear some of those down at high places. The ashram and the carved and the metal images, and they chopped down the altars of the bales in the presence, and he cut down the incense altars that stood above them. And he broke in pieces the ashram and the carved and the metal images, and he made dust of them and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed them. I just want to encourage you as you read this today, go, man, that sounds old and ancient. I'm just going to tell you this. Those spirits still reign in this land. We just call them different things. But they're still here. He also burned the bones. This is boss right here. Gentlemen, walk with me. This is awesome. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah Jerusalem. He took the false prophets' bones out of the ground and burned them. He goes, man, we're not allowing this teaching to go forth anymore. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in the ruins all around, he broke down the altars, and beat the ashram and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel. Then what did he did, do? He returned to Israel. Young guy, young guy. Now we're gonna read about another king. I wanna compare these two kings today. First Kings chapter 15, verses nine through 15. In the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa began to reign over Judah. He's the fourth king of, of Judah. And he reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Makkah, the daughter of Absalom. And Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as David, his father, had done. Sounds very similar to Josiah, doesn't it? It's almost like reading like similar stories. Okay? Where was I at? Okay. Da, da, da. okay. Thank you. Verse 12. He put away the male cult prostitutes out of the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. He also removed Maka, his father, from being queen mother because she had made an abominable image for Asherah. Man, cutting the family there. It's pretty wild. And Esau cut down her image and burned it at the brook Kidron. Verse 14's key. This passage right here, this is what created this whole message. Verse 14. But, say but. but. That's fun to say. Say it one more time. But, but the high places were not taken away. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the heart of Esau was holy, true to the Lord of all his days. Interesting. And he brought into the house of the Lord the sacred gifts of his fathers and his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels. Okay, you guys with me today? Okay, let me pray. We'll jump in. God, we thank you, God, so much for this day and what you're doing. We want to thank you, God, that uh, you have provided the word of God to cause your people to rise. We thank you for this message. And, God, I even pray right now anything that's dark, anything demonic, spirits of witchcraft, warlocks, God, any of that stuff. God, we just say right now, you're evicted out of this room right now. Yeah. Holy Spirit, you have reign, you, you have uh, precedence, you have access to the entire room. Yeah. Do what you desire today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. If you're taking notes to tell of my message today, is called an undivided, an undivided heart. Isn't it wild that uh, when you, you don't really find out about much about yourself until you become a parent, parent you know what, parents you know what I'm talking about? I got some examples for you today. You're like, everyone's like, yeah. Um, how about this? I didn't know how much this was important to me, that the toilet paper inside the bathrooms, that it actually folds from the top over, okay? I did not know how important that was to, to me until my kids decided to put their toilet paper in. It was coming out the opposite way. I'm just like, okay, that's, that's, that bothers me a little bit here, right, over, over the top, okay? Let's get, that, let's get that church, very important. If you walk anything out of here, take anything out of here. Toilet paper goes over the top. How about this? How about this? This one's probably, um, my wife needs to pray, pray for me daily on this one. How about this? Um, never throw clothes in the laundry, okay, that are inside out. Okay. Can, 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 I get a, can I get a witness in the house? Okay, I got five kids. And I'm just telling you right now, it's not only did you get the clothes inside out, how did you get them in knots? Okay. And by the way, remove your underwear from the sticky pants. Could you do that for the love of our Lord? Could you do that, please? Please, if that happens, revival, revival will come into this house. First in the home, then in the local church. Come on. But gosh, it's just like you know, like, like I said, maybe we just have some control issues. But it's a big deal. How about this one? Um, how about can we use one, just one knife, one, not four, one knife, for the peanut butter, and also for the uh, for the jelly. You can actually, it's children. You can actually, you can take care of your sandwich with one knife. All oh, you just dip your right your knife in the peanut butter, go ahead and put it on the bread, go ahead and scrape it off, dip it right into the jelly. That is completely okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You can you can do that. But isn't it crazy how there's things in your life you don't really discover until you're a parent? I mean, I got I got lists. I got days. I got days of this stuff. Clothes all over the house. You know, thing, I mean, just things. How about this one? Um. It's okay, child, to blow your nose. <laughs> You're like sitting there uh, watching TV. <laughs> hey, over there! Uh, you could go grab a, uh, you could go grab a, uh, a piece of toilet paper or a tissue. You can totally blow, blow your nose right now. It's completely okay. Yeah, okay, Dad. Okay, okay, we'll do that. Blow their nose. three seconds later. (laughs) Wow, that was, that one sounds pretty big in there. You might want to get that thing out. Crazy, just blow your nose. Just blow your nose. Parenting. Got three teenagers right now and still raise them in the teenage years. Pray for me. Um, How about this? This is probably one of my biggest ones. I got some big ones. Those ones are pretty big, right? This is a a big one, especially as the seasons change so rapidly in Michigan. You guys enjoyed that weather this last week? Oh my goodness already walk around in a tank top. It's only 50 degrees. Blood's getting thicker, right? Spring days. And then what happens is my, my kids, I'm thinking about a couple of them right now be praying for me as I'm on stage right now. Um, they leave the door open. Um, uh, bills are spe- expensive, guys. I'm just telling you. Um, like my heater wants to run like 24-7 all day long and it's like a hop in the car, then all of a sudden, the door, the door, the door, the door is wide open, because you know why? They don't know how to close the door behind them. It doesn't matter, I'm just having a. <laughs> you guys, you got, can you guys counsel me up here? Okay, I got some stuff I'm working through. It's the sliding glass door. Yeah, you can close that thing, it's totally fine. Um, we're getting in the car in the garage, yeah, you can shut that door too. Um, and by the way, um, even when you're in the bathroom, okay, there's people that like walk, that like walk around the house. You can close the door, too, when you sit on the toilet. Um, it's totally okay to close the door behind you, okay? Funny, right? Funny. It's why well, I was kind of thinking about that last one, about closing the doors behind you. It's, it's interesting, as you study these two passages here, I'm, I'm going, I'm going somewhere. You study the, these two kings. There's actually 20 kings that reign in Judah. Under, actually, the, the king Rehoboam, so you have, you have Saul, you have David, and then you have um, uh, Solomon. And then you have Rehoboam. At Rehoboam, the, uh, Israel was split in two. So you have Israel now in the northern part of, the, of Israel, and then you have Judah in the, in the southern part. But now we're studying two kings in Judah. You have 20 kings that reigned, okay? And now, now what happens is over those 20 kings, you find some of the most wicked individuals known to man. Only eight of them, only eight of them were considered righteous kings, Probably the most righteous one of them all was Josiah. And we'll talk about him, especially towards the end of the message. But then you find another king, the fourth king of Judah by the name of Esau. And as you're studying this passage, it's wild. Both kings were this, amazing. They were both reformers, okay? They were both reformers. They removed idols. They reestablished law. And here's what's wild. This phrase was used for both of them. If you read it real fast, you'll jump right over it. They did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But it was crazy when you compare those two kings together is why Josiah stands out in front of King Esau is this. One decided to close the door to the high places while the other one decided to keep the door open. It got me thinking about us in the local church, that we can love coming to church. We can sit comfortably in church services. We We could be raised in Christian families. We could be engaging in God's work and even say, as, as it says even in Massah, I love Jesus. I love God with my whole heart. But here's the point today. But still be accessing the high places. It says even in Deuteronomy chapter six, you shall have no other God but be, except me, paraphrasing it. Why? Why would, why would God say that so early on in the Israelite history? Because he knew this. There are pagan tribes in this land that you are a distinct people. I am your father. I am your king. God loves His people. I chose you out of all the other nations in the world. I chose you, Israel. And I just want to let you know this: I've given you a law to be able to to uh, for you to conduct yourself. And can I tell you, law was never meant to rob anything. It's actually it was supposed to provide the guardrails of your lifestyle. Because when we walk out of those things, we we lose fellowship with God. So the law kept us in, but it was only a tutor of something greater to come. Good stuff there. But it's wild that even in in, uh, Israelite history, you study these pagans, the things in which they did. Molech, you heard of Molech? Dropping babies, isn't that crazy? Whenever there's idols in a land that's very high, the United States of America, there's always babies being slaughtered. I'm telling you, are you gonna talk about that preacher? Yes, I am. Because we are a church right now that believes that life starts at conception. It's not when that baby comes out. Psalm 139, I know the plans that I have for you. am sorry, that's Jeremiah. I know you. I've seen you. I've seen your days as though there was not one yet lived. We believe that. Can I tell you, abortion, that whole thing right there, kind flip of some, flip some tables over, that is not a political issue. Okay? That is a spiritual issue. Okay, but this stuff took place all across the land. You keep going there, uh, temple prostitutes, you see things, cultic practices. I mean, crazy stuff going on. And you know what was crazy? It took place in the high places. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip a scripture on you today. You might not like me for it, but I'm going to tell you it. So I'm just like that today. Um, I, I look to the hills and where my help comes from. Let's study that all about. You know where hills were? High places. And we love that verse. It's true because our help does come from the Lord. You know where high places were? The hills were the High places. Because the people of God were always tempted to follow after the deities of the other pagan nations. Idols, 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 the high places. There were, there were shrines there, there were altars there. And that's where there was a distinction that was supposed to be made that the people of God worshiped Yahweh alone. And the other, the other uh, people groups worshiped all these deities. But Josiah followed God, but Esau continued to access the high places. As I was praying, I'm gonna get real today. I believe this, God kind of downloaded this. Chris, I believe there are some who are this. They want to know me. They want to grow, okay? They want to be free, but here's the thing. They're in another relationship. I don't have their full attention. Like like they're dating me, but they're not married to me. Like they've entered into a contract with me, but not a covenant. Like they're seeing themselves as my boyfriend, but not as my wife, being real with you today. That's exactly why, why God is so strong with his words in the Old Testament. You adulterous generation, adulterer, which means what? You're cheating on your spouse. How did that activity take place? In worship. How did that activity take place? In idols. It's saying, why are you going to all these other deities? I told you this. You shall have no other God before you. And God would say this because I'm a jealous God if my wife decided to go down to Somerset Mall and she's kind of having eyes for somebody, she won't, but she did because she's got all she wants right here, baby. Come on, somebody. All six, two two of me. She gets the whole package. Let's just say if that happened, do you think for some reason, you guys with me? I lost you. you. Do you think somehow for me, I'm like, oh, that's okay. Do you think jealousy would rise in my heart? Because that's my bride. Because that is the one I committed not just a contract to, and now a vow. That's why marriage is such a big deal. We get lost in all the beautiful language of marriages. Right, we sit there, and you see them, and everyone's all, it's like, no, you have no idea what you're entering into. It's a vow. And why God's a covenant-keeping God is because he says this, even when you're faithless, I will still remain faithful. That's covenant. God will fulfill his covenants. Yeah. But see, I just felt that for, you, for some of you today. No guilt, no shame. I believe that God's going to break some stuff off of you today. As we begin this, we're going to leave all those old girlfriends and boyfriends spiritually. Okay? And we're now going to get married to our king. Is that cool? Yeah. So here's my big idea for us today. The doors we keep open today will eventually have our heart tomorrow. The doors, the doors, the doors. Grace talked about her doors. Talk about tarot cards. Talk about Crystals. Talk about, you can throw Ouija boards in there. Whatever the thing is, what it is, it's access. And you keep those doors open today. I'm just gonna tell you, they're gonna have your heart tomorrow. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 10 through 15. You guys get some out of this today? It says, when the Lord God brings you into the land, the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build. I wanna tell you, people of God, listen to me today. I'm just gonna do this a couple more times. You are a distinct people. You're not like everybody else. I want to get that very clear today. And I'm sorry if you got saved like, like years ago and you're like, man, I had no idea what I signed up for myself. I'm saying, okay, that's okay, but I'm just going to tell you that what you get to enter into is way more beautiful, okay, than living a divided relationship yeah. with great good and cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things. This is what God's going to do that you did not fill and sisters that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, here it is, isn't it? Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He's a God that gets us free. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. Here it is, verse 14. And you shall, you shall not go after other gods. Uh, what, what case is that God. Lowercase. There's only one capital G, and it's Yahweh. Not, not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God is in your midst. Is a, he's a jealous God. Well, Pastor Christians, they' are really idols They like, like carved images? Like I don't have any carved images. I don't have any carved image, images in my house. Can I just tell you this? You could have images in your heart. And here's an idol. You want to write this down? An idol is anything that you go to satisfy a need. An idol is anything that you go to to satisfy a need that only God can provide. That's why God hates idols so much, is because there's a lesser power. And because of that, we're selling our souls for them, but they will never satisfy. Hear my heart today. They will never satisfy like the Most High. I'm just telling you this before. I had a very colorful, colorful background before I came to Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you this right now, all the dumb decisions I made, partying, doing all this crazy stuff, even at the greatest, greatest measure of that, it never satisfies how I feel when I'm in the presence of God. Sex cannot compare to it. Drugs can't compare to it. Alcohol can't compare to it. Friends, popularity, nothing, nothing compares and satisfies that when I'm in the presence of God. So why are idols so destructive? I'm gonna tell you some bad news. I got some good news at the end. First, we're, we made it. Why are idols so destructive? Number one, we made it. Yeah. Uh, my kids love watching this show. They actually had to turn it off recently because it's getting kind of weird. That cooking show called Nailed It. Yeah. You see that? Well, what's basically the premise of the show is to have a chef that produces this amazing dessert. And then what happens is going to bring people, in, <laughs> it's funny to be me, uh, as, kind of come in. And they said, hey, here's the actual legitimate thing. And what I want you to do is recreate that. So what happens is now these three chefs will try to recreate that beautiful cake or whatever it is. And then what will happen is then the judge will determine who got closest to that. That's kind of what I believe why these idols, not why I believe, why idols are so destructive is because we are trying to make something, we are trying to produce something that's even really not that good. It never turns out that good. Romans 1, 21 through 23, you know it's a good message when I'm going to Old Testament and preaching Romans 1. Romans 1, 20, 21 through 23 says this, for although they knew God, They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, and exchanging the glory, here's idols, and exchanging the glory of the immortal God, they exchanged it for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and every creeping thing. Read Romans one. I'm just gonna tell you it straightens everything out because here's why, we tend to create what we want rather than what we need. That's what images do, that's what idols do. And I'm not saying you're gonna go home and it's a wooden image. It could be in your house, but I'm just telling you, the idols in which we create, the things in which we go to, you're like, no, 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 I don't have any of those. I'm just gonna, here's, here's a question for you. When you feel like God is holding out on you, when you feel like God is slow and he's not fulfilling the promise on your life, when you're having a difficult time, when your marriage is struggling, I'm just being real today, when, when, when things, hell itself, it seems like it's, it's being raised up under your house, what do you go to? Yeah, amen. Wow, that's where, it's at. where are you going? Yep. You, you get on your knees? You're going before God? You're crying out to God? Or are you going to some other mistress? Okay? That's an idol. Yep. I'm gonna tell you this, whatever yours is, I wanna kill that thing off today. Whatever that is, I wanna set that, I wanna burn that thing up today spiritually. Whatever it is, because I want you to live in the freedom and the abundance of the life of Jesus. And they're not leaving because they love us, just to let you know. I had to say that one time. I'm having fun today. But whatever, whatever you go to, whatever you go to, that's a question to ask. Because the problem is, I believe this, we've been, we build things that are temporary, what sounds good, what looks like the real thing, but it leaves us empty. And here's the lie of idolatry. Here's the lies. This is what leads to idolatry. God is holding out on you, like I mentioned. God doesn't really know my situation. Do you know why the God, man, Jesus Christ had to come here on earth? Because he was tempted in every way in which we were, but without sin. He didn't fall into the things, but can I tell you, he experienced everything that you are right now to the greatest capacity. So he knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly what you're walking through. He has felt everything. And know what's crazy? Not just you. The world itself, from then and then now, the weight and the burdens on their life, he felt it all as he hung on that cross. God, how about this? God is taking too long. Um, Exodus, you remember that story? They come out, they come out, the children of Israel. Mount Sinai, what happens? Moses goes to the top of the mountain, and what did they do? It says this, they rose to play. Idols, what did they do? They recreated the idol that they saw in Egypt, a golden calf. And what did they do? They started taking off the rings and gold and began to melt it all down, you know, uh, build a calf. Because why? Moses is taking too long. See what I mean? What is it? What is it? I'm just being real with you today. What is it that we go to? What is it that we go to in our life? When all the things and pressures of life, especially right now, 2024, it's gonna be crazy, but it's gonna be amazing. Is that in this year, right now, what are we going to when now the, the person on the other side of that news thing is telling us a different story? God's taking too long. How about this? God has forgotten you. God has forgotten you. No, he hasn't. He thinks about you all the time. He's actually thinking about you right now. He's actually praying for you right now. No, he's forgotten you. No, he hasn't forgotten you at all. He's actually right now. I just feel like even right now, prophetically, I feel like God is actually right now withholding to realign things, He's like, he's like, it's like a beautiful chess game that God is realigning the right people in this church, the builders and warriors. Yeah. The builders that desire this. Man, I'm, I've, I've wandered away. I'm kind of doing my own thing because there's nothing worthy to build. Come here and be a part of New Wave Church. You can be a part of building something great. Yeah. Building, building, building. And know who else is God's gonna bring? It's the warriors. Who are the warriors? Those that have, have had uh, years of battle you've been able to swing the sword, you've been able to see victory, you've been able to even be used of God. But what happens is something slid in there. It was a lie, maybe it was a person, I'm just telling you, God is not the church doesn't hurt people, people hurt people. That stuff gets in there. What happens now, the warrior is now back, and what happens, like David on the top of, of his castle, his kingdom, is that when warriors don't go to battle, what do they do? They get in trouble. God's bringing the builders and warriors in this land right now, right now in this moment. But I'm just telling you, God hasn't forgotten you. He's aligning the pieces, the right people, the right place, at the right time. And as that happens, I'm just going to tell you right now, hell is so scared. I feel it every Sunday. Hell is so scared for us to meet today. Hell is so scared for people to believe. Hell is so scared for people to have faith. Hell is so scared right now. If They hear that, and they begin to believe it. I'm just telling you right now, hell itself is so scared because I believe we're living in an hour right now more than ever, that when Michigan wakes up, I'm telling you, I've never felt, I've been in the West Coast my whole life. I've been on the West Coast since I was, you know, a baby born on the West Coast, Washington, California, Oregon. That's how you say it, Oregon. Okay, Oregon, people, Oregon. I've been there. I've never been more excited to be on the grounds, ever, than the state of Michigan. Because I feel something when I walk, on the ground here, that God wants to do something special. And he's aligning, he's aligning the right people, yeah. the right, the, the church, he's building up the local church right now. And I'm just telling you right now, why withholding is so good sometimes? It's because it purifies the bride. Right now, even Jesus, let's go, let's go New Testament here. Jesus has prepared a place for the church, but he's going to come back. He's gonna come back. But he plans on coming back for a bride, right? That looks different than the, than the way in which he found them. Okay, but he's coming, he's realigning the pieces. A.W. Tozer says it's the essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. I'm gonna say that one more time. The essence of idolatry is the entertainment, right? The thoughts about God that are unworthy of him, they're a lie. Habakkuk 2.3 says this, for still the vision awaits. It's, It's a point in time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. It seems slow, Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. I want to preach a little bit today is that when God says something, God never stutters. When God speaks, it never returns back to him void, but accomplishes the very purpose in which he sent it. God doesn't do, see, God is all truth. God is all knowing. God is omniscient. He's everywhere. But I'm just going to tell you this. When he says something, it will come to pass permanently 100% of the time. God, think about it this way. God is a God that shoots a basket and it goes in 100% of the time. God is a soccer player that kicks the ball and it goes in the goal every single time. Does that make sense? God doesn't miss. He has 10 arrows, he shoots them all, they're gonna hit the bullseye every single time. And the word of the Lord says this, as God sends his word forth, it will not return return to him void, but will accomplish 100% of the time of what he desires to do. And I just feel it this morning. If you're in here right now in a waiting period, you feel like God's holding out on you. All those lies there, that he's forgotten you. I'm just gonna tell you right now, do not go to the high places. Here's the point of this time. Don't go to the high places, get on your knees. Yeah. Cried out to him, pray to him. Go ahead and speak to him, talk to him. I'm just telling you this. The greatest moments of my entire life were never in the high places. They were always in the low ones. Because that was the moment where God defined my faith. That when everything was taken from me, when I felt robbed, beat up, busted, and disgusted, and I was on my face before God, that was the moment that I saw him real. Do you know we actually learn more? We learn more out of our failures than our successes. Yeah. We do. I had all that stuff going on in me, but it took it took a reality that it wasn't a high place, it was a low place that God met me. So I wanna encourage you right now. God wants to break that, break that off of you. Even you over the next week, I feel it. There's gonna be times of temptation. I'm going to go to that computer. I'm going to go on my phone. I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to go get high. I'm going to go, whatever it is. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to feel in your stomach that, man, this is a moment. Oh, God, Holy Spirit. Yeah. That this is the moment, in that moment, that things are going to shift for you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you need to take a different way home. Yeah. Yeah. But that way shorter. I don't care. It's a, It's so wild. It's like, it's like we want the, the things that kill us the most dead, but we're not willing to do the easy things well. If you need to throw the stinking computer out, throw it out of your house. If you need to confess it, which you should, okay? That's radical. What do people think about me? Welcome to the club. Welcome to the family of God. The enemy is such a liar. I just declare right now over this week, Jesus' name, that as you have that moment, I declare it over this room right now, they you're about ready to wander into darkness, Wander off into the field of the world. I'm, just saying, I'm gonna say, i to declare that over you this week, that you shall not participate. I'm just gonna tell you, you're gonna wake up Monday morning. You're gonna wake up tomorrow. All of us, we're gonna wake up tomorrow and we have a decision to make. What are we going to do? And what we're gonna do, we're gonna submit to, we're gonna submit to God, we're gonna resist the devil, and guess what, he's gonna flee from us. And Jesus in Jesus' name, I declare that over this house. Here's the second thing about idols, they lack power. They lack power. There's a false notion it's been around about 1,200 years. There's an angel of, of God on one shoulder. You guys with me? And an angel of Satan on the other. And they're having like a duel. But I'm just telling you this right now, that somehow they're battling it out, but God has no rivals. God is never lesser than the thing in which he created. Okay? That's a, that's a myth. First Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. I'm going long and it feels good today. 5, 1 through 7 says this. When the Philistines captured the ark of God, the presence of God, they brought it, it, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon, an idol, a false deity, and set it up beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early in the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face. Yeah. Down, he did what? Downward. What does downward represent? Worship. Yeah. Falling face downward on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon. I go, man, that must be, that's just minded, That You know, maybe some wind blew in there. Right? Maybe some wind blew in there. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. Back in his place. But when they rose early on the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground, but that wasn't it, before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who entered the house of Dagon did not tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. Here's what's wild about this story. Even the Philistines that saw this take place had a decision should we ditch this God and follow the, the, the God that's all powerful? And know it's easy how much we could get stuck in our traditions. That even though we come to that, that idol every single day. It's like, man, it's just easier to worship the same thing, even if it lacks power. Because idols will always overpromise and underdeliver. They promise convenience and confidence and comfort, but here's what they never tell you: they lack power to give you what you need. And I'm just gonna take a moment right now because I want to teach a little bit today. We're gonna talk about the occult right now. It is a lesser form of power, and here's what why the occult is so damaging. It's man's initiated response to search out something divine, rather than what we do as we follow Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit's initiated, initiation to follow God. So here's some things about the occult. I just wanna talk about this today. I feel like I wanna go in here. Okay, I got a diagram here I'd love to show you. Here's what happens with the occult, okay? Here's the desire of occultic practices, okay? The purpose of Satan is to diverts man's. Okay, let's talk about these for a second. Attention, have you seen people that are so fascinated with the things of the supernatural. They're more weird than the ones that are filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? But here's what happens with the occult. They'll get your attention, right? The enemy. Because once he has your attention, here's what will lead to, your interest. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Oh, like really tell me about it. See that shift? Oh, what is that? Oh, tell me more. Okay, right then the hook begins to sink. Once it has your attention, it has your interest. Oh, here's the big one. Once it has your interest, now what you do? Now it has your trust. Well, with it, Pastor Chris, this is kind of crazy. Like, how does this happen? Anyone play football in here? You know when you keep putting on those dirty underwear? On those, on those, uh, those uh, pads? Right? Because you're saying, I've won every single game. I've won every single game. I might as well keep putting the things on. And then, oh, that's not a big deal. No, it is. Because it's actually participating in something we call witchcraft. Because you're trying to predict the future right now. See what I mean? Attention will lead to interest. Interest will lead to trust. And once it has your trust, here's what it wants the whole time. Allegiance. High places. Okay? Allegiance. And then once, here's the biggest thing in the enemy right here, I'm just telling you right now, it goes back to Isaiah chapter 14. You read it, what the enemy want? Why did he get cast out of heaven? Why did the third of angels go with him? It speaks. it wasn't about allegiance. It wasn't about attention, interest, trust, and allegiance. It was about worship the whole time. That's the desire of witchcraft, of the occult, to its deepest element of it. It wants worship. Because ultimately, the purpose of Satan is to divert man's worship from God to Satan. Know why he hates us so much? Because we get to do what he used to do, he wants our worship. You know, read Isaiah chapter 14. You will begin to see all the things in which you wanted. I will be like the most high. I wills, I wills, I wills, I wills five times. Mash that with Philippians, I think, chapter three or four. When Jesus says, no, I will, what he's taught, he would humble himself. Where the enemy, Lucifer, raised himself up in heaven because he wanted it all. Jesus did the I wills, you read this in the New Testament, opposite, that he would submit himself because those who humble themselves would be exalted. That's some good preaching right there. Seven signs, you might be engaging in the cult. Yeah, that's this message. Seven signs, you might be engaging in the cult because I want to kill this thing off. It's rampant in this land. I was actually in a, um, in, uh, uh, what's that cool place down there um, uh, with all the crafts. Help me out. Uh, right down the street here. Maybe it is Michael's. Maybe it is Michael's. I don't, I don't go in there much, but when I do. Uh, so I went in there and um, it was, this is how the occult just kind of gets in. We're sitting there, my wife and I are kind of looking around around Christmas time, and there's some, some ladies over there, and they have a, a full uh, bookshelf of tarot cards of all these different witchcraft games. And just what she said, I love, this is, this is such the enemy. She picks it up, and she's all, she goes, man, this looks fun. She's like, girl's night. And I'm like, you have no idea what you're participating to. I was about ready to pull a Josiah there. Am I ready to grab that bookshelf, go out in the parking lot and burn that whole stinking thing? Because here's the thing, it's a false power. It's trying to divert man's worship to Satan other than God himself. How do we know we're engaging the occult? Okay, number one, you are trying to get answers from anything other than God. Well, God didn't really give me the answer I wanted. Maybe someone else and something else out there will tell me what I want to hear. That's occult. That's the occult practices. That's witchcraft. You see it, even Samuel, uh, Samuel preaches to Saul. You guys good going a little long today? Yeah. Saul, 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 Saul was, his kingdom was taken away from him. So Samuel dies the prophet. And what does he use? He uses a medium to raise Saul, to raise Samuel from the lower parts of the earth. And Samuel's like this, what the heck did you wake me up for? I didn't say that the cult doesn't have power. I'm saying it has illegitimate and sinful power. He comes up and goes, why, basically paraphrasing it, why are you waking me up? What God has spoken is coming to pass. Why are you doing that? You're trying to get answers from anything other than God number two, you see Jesus as an option, but not the way to God. It's Jesus plus this, plus this, plus this, plus this. Okay, what did I talk about? One, right? Bride, one husband. Uh, Three, you have unhealthy fascination with the supernatural, there's nothing wrong with supernatural things. I'm just telling you right now, we're engaging with that today. But it's an unhealthy fascination. Like you're more about the supernatural things than being obedient and growing. Okay? Unhealthy fascination. There's are certain areas. I was in Santa Cruz, California for nine years. Major, major occultic practices there. Witchcraft, warlocks up in the hills, all of that. But you, 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 we go downtown. It's like these people are, are crazier than the most wild Pentecostal church in the world. Did you know there's modern-day prophets? Get behind me. What the heck are you talking about? Ooh. You know, it's like, just settle down. False power, get behind me. But what? They have an unhealthy fascination with the supernatural. Number four, you're trying to seek out information that, is, that God is unwilling or hasn't wanted to reveal yet. Why? Because it's on our time. Like I talked about, the occult is man-initiated, okay? I want what I want right now, so I am going to go to certain things to be able to give me access to the answers I want, okay? Number five, you guys with me still? You have unbridled desire to control and dictate your future. You're not content with right now. You're not content with how things are going. You might not like them, that's okay. Okay? but you have an unbridled, unbridled desire to control and dictate your future. Am I reading your mail today? (laughs) Six, you are using literature or practices outside of scripture. I'm just telling you this. In the Bible, just do a a study on this. The occult is all over. It says this, even those that will not inherit the kingdom of God, you know what's mentioned? Sorcery. Wasn't that Harry Potter stuff or Harry Pothead? It's not, it's Isn't that, isn't that sorcery? See what I mean? Oh, that's just, see what I mean? We downplay it. But people are engaging this stuff all the time. Number seven, you're, oh, this is a big one. You are unwilling to submit to God. Here's the last one. You have seeds of rebellion in your heart. Rebellion. That means you know the right thing to do, but you choose not to do it. I'm just going to tell you that right now, that I'm just, just be careful, especially if you're throwing stones at the bride of Christ. You are now, I can even go back up to that chart, you are now beginning to engage. I'm saying you're going to go fu- fully. I'm saying now you are flirting. You are flirting with areas of witchcraft. Okay, why there's rebellion in your heart. It's because God's not doing it. See, he's, he's asking you to do something, but you're not following through. I'm willing to submit to God in the seeds of rebellion. Here's the last thing about idols. And I'll get some of the good stuff here, Okay. Because the thing about idols is they're never satisfied. Proverbs 27, verse 20 says this, death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are human eyes. Idols will ask you to sacrifice what God never asked. They will promise fulfillment, temporary satisfaction, provision, shortcuts. But you will end up sacrificing your identity, your call, your family, even your marriage. I'm just gonna tell you this right now with idols. You can never drink enough. You can never get high enough. You can never have enough money. You can have never enough followers. Yes, can social media be an idol? 100%. Is it ranking the next generation? Yes, it is. You can never have enough followers. Only God can satisfy you. I'm gonna get into some good stuff. I can have the band come up right now. Have the band come up. How to bring down the high places. Okay, Pastor Chris, we just talked about some crazy stuff some big stuff, some weighty stuff. Never heard that stuff before. That's great. But now how do we do it? What's the purpose? How do we tear down the high places? I believe as you read the story of Josiah, you begin to see why were the high places take down. It seems so elementary, but it's profound. Here's the first thing. He sought the Lord. Seeking describes the habit of looking to God in every situation. Think about it this way. Hide and seek, we play that. You're seeking with the ambition and desire to find what you're looking for. That's exactly what Josiah did at eight years of age. Eight years old, he began to seek the Lord. Because here's what happens, when you begin to seek the Lord, here's what's gonna end up happening. You're gonna end up loving what he loves and hating what he hates. What did he do after he sought the Lord for eight years? He began now to tear down the idols, to cleanse the land to bring up the bones of all the idols, because as he sought the Lord, God's heart was revealed to him. You study the the, the the passage right there, and you'll begin to see a procession, seeking, which leads to cleansing. And cleansing will do this. Cleansing will actually lead to, I put up here, church. 26 years old, he sought the Lord, he began to cleanse. And I'm just telling you this right now, a lot of the reasons why we don't love church, we don't love church, we don't love going to church, Okay, it's because there's no understanding and desire for us to get there because we already have enough at home because we haven't cleaned our house out. I'm gonna tell you, the more you clean your spiritual house out, I'm gonna tell you, you have a a greater love for the local church. Because what will happen once you seek, once you cleanse, once you now have a house, a heart for the house, the church, because here's what happened for Josiah, you read this story, he began to repair the temple restoration and revival always leads to helping build a local church restoring it seeking cleansing now the church and here's a great number four to hear once you love once you have a love for the church you have a love for his word you read later stories of josiah something that was missing from the people of god was the law of god in that temple that they were rebuilding because josiah sought the lord He cleansed the high places, cleansed the temple. He had now have a love for the local church. You go, man, the place in which we should worship is in despair. Let's rebuild that thing. And as they were going in there, they began to dig out the closets and they found the book of the law. I'm telling you right now, some of you in this room right now, this is what you say. I can't hear from God. No, you can. But the only question I would ask you this, is there something else that is in the middle, all right, that is deterring you from what, being able to hear God. Okay? Procession. As the book of the law was found, now Josiah could do what? He can hear. And once he be, was able to hear, here's what happened. Point five. Covenant was reestablished. And love for God's word will lead to a reestablishing covenant with, with God. As now, the people of God brought the book of the law out. It's wild. And as now the priests begin to read it, what ended up taking place right there is Josiah tore his clothes. With the sign of repentance, a sign of disgust of realizing this, how far have I wandered? I'm just gonna tell you this, this is the beautiful thing about God. I love when the church gets into moments where We're going, oh my gosh, I never knew how far I wandered and I never knew what I was participated in. But I today, and I feel like for many of you today, that we are reestablishing, not a contract, not a commitment, not a dating relationship, but a covenant with God. Is that God, you are my focus. God, you are my destiny. God, you are my goal. You are the prize. God, you are the one that's dictated eternity. And God, I wanna be on the winning team. I am competitive, y'all. I'm just telling you this, I am. But I like to win. And the thing about all these other idols and occult and witchcraft and all that stuff, they lose every single time. And I would rather do this. Instead of flirting with those things, I would rather win. I wanna win. And the only way to win here and in life after is through the means of Jesus Christ. Can you stand on your feet today?